The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. You're listening to the 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. 234 on the 630 Chad Afternoon News. Well, it's a new program that has brought very unexpected results. Pitbulls for Life Foundation of Alberta teaming up with our house Addiction Recovery Center, and it's been a part partnership that has benefited the clients of the recovery center and some dogs. Joining us in studio this afternoon is Tia Lenz, the president of Pitbulls for Life, and Rodney Aris, who is a client at our house. Thank you very much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you. Uh, Rodney, let's start with you um, because you're going to be able to tell us kind of firsthand about how well this is working for you. Can you share a bit of your story (coughs) with us? How did you end up at, at our house? So I ended up at our house through like a, you have to sign up for an addiction recovery program. So it's a year long program. You have to want to quit drugs and you're, you know, serious about recovery and your addiction. So I signed up with them. And then, so I started volunteering uh, with Pitbulls for Life. And then, so Mondays and Fridays, volunteer out there and work with their program. So can you give me an idea when you talk about, you know, getting serious about your your addiction? I think I had been reading before that uh, you'd been in and out of drugs for many, many years. Yeah, for the last 15 years, uh, fentanyl addiction, heroin, crystal meth, cocaine. You're lucky to be alive. Very lucky to be alive. You know, when you start talking, certainly... Well, any of those, but we know with fentanyl, certainly, we've we've heard a lot about that before. Can, may I ask, what was it this time that said you wanted to get serious about it and yeah, let's get clean? Yeah, so when it happened is uh, last, a year and a half ago, February, I rolled my car high on fentanyl in a snow blizzard. It was minus 45 that night, and apparently I was there for two days, so the next night was minus 38, and so the third day, somebody was driving down the road and seen my car upside down in ravine and called 911, and then I spent 14 days in a coma in the hospital and took them nine days to unthaw me. When they found me, my body temperature was minus 25, and it was the fentanyl that actually saved my life to slow my heart rate down enough to still be alive. Wow. Oh, my gosh. All right, uh, wow. Tia, tell, uh, Tia, tell us about Pitbulls for Life. How did you decide to team up with the center? Uh, sure. Uh, Pitbulls for Life is a local rescue group dedicated to uh, rehabilitation uh, rescue of Pitbulls. So we are located in Parkland County, um, and uh, we actually had a client of ours uh, training out there with our friends at 780 Kennels that uh, worked at our house. So she suggested maybe we should meet some of the clients and see how it goes, and Sure enough, nine months later, we're here. <laughs> so how, how did it go? Obviously, it, it uh, went awesome. fairly well yeah, to yeah. start with, but were, did you have any trepidation, any worries to begin with? Uh, we were, our end, we were definitely excited about it. Uh, when the guys showed up, they were definitely hesitant. It was pretty cool, though. As soon as they seen their first dog, uh, things changed very quickly. It's interesting, though, that it's pit bulls. And I don't know how to put this politically correct, <laughs> but you've got drug addicts and pit bulls. Isn't it ironic? Yeah. Well, it is because <laughs> those are two things that have uh, the reputation precedes them. Yep. And yep. You're, but you're putting them together. Yes. Um, there's no judgment out there. I mean, we have our, our dogs aren't just pit bulls. We have pit bull type dogs too. So um, it's just this huge misconception of of the dog, of course. Um, and with addicts, it's it's the same idea. It's it's this there's this blanket over them that we shouldn't just talk about it, but we need to talk about it because they need help. 
Um, so it's it's really cool that they work together and and seem to understand each other. How, how do they work together? How, uh, at the at the yeah. What do they facility? do together? Um, they walk them. They play with them. Rodney's training with uh, one of his favorites right now, um, and then they help us around the facility cleaning kennels and uh, hang hmm. out, do some yard work and stuff. And yeah. So Rodney, tell us what it was like when you when you first went out there. I guess first off, why did you decide that you wanted to get involved with this? Because you didn't have to get involved with this, but right. you decided you wanted to. Uh, and then what was it like when the first time you went out? So when I first went out there, it was just like kind of just a way to get away from the facility for a day. That's where it come down to because we're with 60 guys and it's a lot of stress and there's a little drama all over the place. So <laughs> it was just a nice little break to go out of town because it's like we're just on the outskirts of the city but then we go further and it's kind of you're in the countryside and it's really nice relaxing. So it was to get out there and go see, you know, something different for once. And and then so when you first got in there with the dogs, what was it like? So when I first got there, I'm not scared of dogs, I never have been, but when I first got there, it was like crazy loud, you know, <laughs> uh, you walk inside and it's like dogs barking everywhere, And but then you start to look at what the dogs are there and then it kind of reminded, and this isn't to be a cliche or anything, but it was kind of like prison, mm-hmm. like, so I can relate to them and that's what the that's where the strong bond comes is because it's, I know what it's like to be caged up. Mm-hmm. And so when I was seeing that, it was like my heart opened up for the dogs even more because I, it's, it's sad to see that they have to be in a facility, but instead of homes. Mm-hmm. So I knew exactly what that was like. And so was, going out there was like a huge change and just a heartwarming thing. And then I wanted to keep going back. Hmm. Interesting, Tia, because obviously it makes a difference in the lives of uh, recovering addicts. Does it make a difference in the lives of the dogs? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, uh, our, our program is volunteer based, right? So, um, I'm only one person, so I can't walk 14 dogs every day. (laughs) So it's nice when the guys come out, um, and then the dogs are, they're getting out a lot more. Um, they're getting socialized with uh, numerous, like different kinds of people, personalities and all that kind of stuff. So it prepares them for for their home life whenever we find that home, right? So So how did the dogs come to be with you, though? You say you rescued them, so are these... Yeah. W- what was the problem with the... Or, or the issue with the dogs? So our dogs come from animal care facilities all over Canada. So uh, any any um, rescue shelters, humane societies, um, pounds, uh, veterinarian surrenders, we, we don't take private surrenders. So these dogs come all, from all over Canada, specifically um, more so from Ontario because of the pit bull ban in the whole province. And the odd time we do still see some from Manitoba, which has had um, a ban since, I believe, 1987. Hmm. Now, can these uh, people who are walking the dogs, and, and uh, like Rodney, can they adopt the dogs? Absolutely. Yeah, oh. yeah, a lot of our volunteers come out and they actually end up falling in love with one and um, start the process from there. It's We highly recommend to volunteer because if, if they don't necessarily know uh, what kind of a personality they're looking for in a dog, you can come meet them all and then grow that bond with them before you take them home. So hmm. you've connected with a dog, Hendrix. Yeah, I think me and him have like the same personality, honestly. <laughs> yeah, we were just <laughs> that the So tell us about Hendrix, and what is it about Hendrix that um, that you've connected with? Well, he's kind of like wild and crazy and <laughs> all over the place. So you know, we have the same things in common in that sense. But um, he's just really high energy and easy to work with, and seems to listen to me. So, uh, what kind of impact do you think that you've had on each other? Um, he needed a lot of love, and I think I did too, so now he's like a best friend, right? So he, uh, 
he helps me and I help him, and we get along great. So what's next for you after you're through this program? After the program, uh, maybe some motivational speaking, get some stuff out there to uh, other kids, younger groups, and let them know what's going on out there and how dangerous life really is. What would you tell them? I'd tell them, well, like everyone says, don't do drugs. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I would tell them there's always hope if you're in an addiction problem and if you come from a bad family, there is hope out there to get some help and, you know, get back on track in life. Out of pure curiosity, and you're certainly free not to answer any question, you talked about that bottom, that breaking point that ended up. What was the beginning point? Well, the beginning point was uh, losing my family and uh, I guess just a rough childhood, uh, rough growing up, and that's where it all started. And I was paralyzed in a car accident at 16 years old and put on opiates and that's when I became like an addict and I I didn't realize till I was 18 that I was becoming an addict on medication and so that's what happened from there is uh, just kind of escalated further and further and further into drugs and then started doing other drugs and different crowds of people and so it it was pretty uh, damaging I guess yeah. There's a lot of talk about um, the prescribing of opiates anymore and the, and the dangers in the community and actually saying that's probably one of the the most abused drugs out there right now. And I even know firsthand from my family wit- witnessed it. Um, did the prescription for the opiates run out and then you turned to something else? So what it was is like it started to not work as effective. Yeah. So so it was just more and more and more. And then eventually the College of Physicians will shut you down saying, like, we're not going to give you drugs anymore. And then you're left as an addict. Now you're hooked on the drugs and there's nothing there for you. So you're going to go to somewhere to not be in that pain anymore. And it's a severe pain that you have to go through. How old are you? I'm 32. 32. Yeah. You (laughs) feel like you're kind of just starting over right now? I feel it's like a new beginning of my entire life completely, yeah. 32 is a great you. time to restart. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> no, it seriously is. I, I wish it would have been younger. But. Yeah. <laughs> Tia, we've seen, you know, Ronnie talks about, you know, the changes for him and being able to connect with someone and, and have someone to love and maybe get that love back. Um, with the dogs, for you, as uh, Andrew had asked about, you know, what the benefits are for the dogs, but what changes are you seeing directly in the dogs? I'm guessing are they being more socialized? and Yeah, yeah. There's a the odd few that um, ha- are a little bit shy of humans mm-hmm. um so having them just have that exposure like i said earlier with some um, different personalities and stuff and the guys coming in and out of there constantly their personalities have, have changed they're definitely there's more confidence in the dogs mm-hmm. um whereas so specifically we have a dog named molly that was head shy um for numerous years with strangers and now she's like she lights right up when like five six guys walk into the room she doesn't even know half of them you mm-hmm. know what i mean so she's just like i know i get to go for my walk mm-hmm. like um so she doesn't she doesn't hesitate around human beings anymore, which is really cool. So is there a timeline for this partnership? Is it a pilot project? Is it something that you want to do long term? Uh, where how long will this program last? Uh, it's going really well. So from from just the past nine months to see where it's going, hopefully it'll grow um, more. So we do want to possibly see some dogs being fostered at the house. Um, so we're actually going to hmm. speak a- about that with um, the board this week. <laughs> oh, good luck with that. Mm-hmm. You had both talked about uh, misconceptions, yours with, with your animals, and I, I, 
curious if there's something, Rodney, that you'd like our listeners to know, and you've got the microphone here, about misconceptions about those who are addicted to drugs or addicted addicted. What would you what would you what would you tell them? I would say that everyone has an addiction of some sort out there. And I think everything should be noticed and recognized instead of just put on the back burner and uh, realize that there is problems out there and people do need help. That's probably the most important thing. And you know what? Give them some help. All it takes is a little bit of advice or support and someone can change their life. And what about the dogs? Misconceptions. (laughs) Um, They're just dogs. Uh, Our guys are all crosses and and they may look the part but in reality they're just dogs and uh if we treat them all as individuals uh, i think we can uh, notice their needs and uh, work with their needs and then um that way uh it's kind of the same isn't it yeah absolutely (laughs) recognize the needs work with the needs treat the needs yeah support them exactly show them love yeah it's like me just like you. Yeah. Yeah, like, I need a little of that around yeah. here. So you don't, don't, don't rub his belly. Yeah. Don't rub his belly. Don't yeah. do that. Before we let you go, uh, though, Tia, how did you get into this in the first place? Why pit bulls and pit bull related dogs? Uh, I've always loved dogs. Um, when I was about 16, I worked at a dog kennel, and there was two pit bulls there. Um, and uh, the kennel that I worked at uh, didn't like them because of their breed. Um, and I very much fell in love with them. And it was it was just unfortunate to see... Um, almost like a racism in in dogs and uh, so it's just kind of like helping helping the less fortunate in the dog world I guess. And how are you funded? Uh, Most of it is through uh, donations and um, minimal grants but we do get them and um, just public support. Yeah, fundraising and stuff like that. So, so if people come want to find out more about it, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, how do people help how do, them? Yeah, yeah how do absolutely. People donate, um, attend our fundraisers that we're having, and um, and yeah, the website every is little bit helps. Pitbullsforlife.com. Pitbullsforlife.com. Hmm. Tia Lenz, the president of Pitbulls for Life Foundation of Alberta, and uh, Rodney Aris joining us in studio this afternoon. First off, thank you uh, for sharing your story and uh, being brutally honest, and best wishes on your continued recovery. And Tia, thank you for the work that you're doing with these animals as well. And uh, together, it's a great story. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.